What's up, YouTube? It's your boy again. Coming back to another video on this channel. Um, today, I'm going to be running a pod this podcast solo style. Um, the bad is out of town. Got drunk. Long story. But today, we got a guest on the show. We got my Dojo Life. Hey, hey, welcome to the show, boyo. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, um, so, for those of you who don't know, McDojo Life runs an Instagram and YouTube channel, or is it just an Instagram? I do. I run an Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, pretty much every platform except for Facebook. Okay. So, all those social, most of the social media sites, and I love your stuff, so uh, I'm a big fan of yours. Um, so, I guess the first question I'll, we'll start off with is, why did you decide to do McDojo Life versus something else oh well i mean i was a martial arts instructor for years it was like the majority of my uh my work in the industry was as an instructor and so right. um if it wasn't for me doing mcdojo life i would still be probably teaching so um but i did mcdojo life basically as like a side project hobby and then uh it just kind of turned out to be now a career <laughs> cool um, you said you were a martial arts instructor. What did you teach? What kind of martial arts? Well, I'm getting a little feedback when I talk. It's like echoing. Oh, uh, that's weird. Uh, did, did it go away now or no? Um, yes. <laughs> it seems okay. to have gone away. Nope, it's back. <laughs> it might be a speaker. It might be echoing off of something, but I'll just try to power through it but yeah man like uh i'm a third degree black belt in karate a third degree black belt in something called this is Jodo, which is a weapon system not too many people have heard of if you'd like to look at my instructor his name is master lee barden i'm a purple belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu a six and oh amateur boxer four and two amateur kickboxer and i was on an international kickboxing team for two years called team full circle well damn so you can kick my ass without breaking a sweat uh -huh. seems like I, I i don't know i don't know about all that but that's just my <laughs> resume <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not as extensive as you. I have a blue belt in Kramaga and a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's, that's awesome. It. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my resume. Yeah, man, well, it all starts somewhere, right? You just keep working at it and hacking away. I've been doing it for 23 years, so, you know. Holy um, crap. Yeah. So just to make you feel old, when you started, I was five. <laughs> yeah, that does make you feel old. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I had to. But like, so McDojo Life is pretty much what? Like a way to, for you to like expand martial arts to the general public or is it something else? Or am I... Well, I mean, the, the ultimate goal is to call out fakes, frauds and phonies and pedophiles in the martial arts industry, but wait, also- wait, wait, back up. You said pedophiles? Yeah, there's, there's been over 500 cases of pedophilia since 1985 in the martial arts industry. Um, so it's oh, a big shit. problem. <laughs> If you want to look up more, there's a website that's called um, it's a uh, the truth about martial arts dot and uh, all it does is keep track of all the cases of pedophilia in the martial arts industry. Holy crap! I didn't even realize it was a huge issue with pedophilia in the martial arts industry. Yeah, well, it's because it's an unregulated industry. So because it's Absolutely. unregulated, it winds up making it so that way pretty much anybody can do it. Um, whether you have experience or not. Okay. And all right, that brings up awkward silence. Mm -hmm. But okay. 
But um, so yeah, I don't know where to go from here at this point. Like, damn. Um, so holy crap, I really don't know where to go from here. <laughs> I'm, so, yeah. I'm just along for the ride, my friend. So. <laughs> yeah. But um, so what made you get into martial arts? I know a lot of people got into martial arts because they were bullied or they wanted to look a certain way or improve themselves or like what made you get into martial arts? Well, I started when I was 12 um, and I started because I was getting picked on and beat up. I was getting picked on and beat up in school quite a bit. And I actually um, got jumped by a group of kids. It was a group of like six kids and they jumped me after a class. So as soon as the bell rang, they jumped me um, and then they beat on me for five minutes. The only reason I know it was five minutes was because that's the time between the bells. So they started beating on me uh, when the class let out for the, when that bell rang. And they didn't stop until the next bell rang. So it was about five minutes. Um, and then I just kind of laid there. Two teachers actually watched the whole thing and did nothing about it. Um, and so they just kind of like let it happen. Then a friend of mine who was late in the class, he, uh, he got there after they had already ran away. But when he got there, he picked me up and he was helping me to the nurse's office. And he handed me a card and he said, you need this. Um, and then when he handed me that card, like it was for karate classes and my mom at the time was super protective of me. She didn't want me to do anything that might get me hurt. Um, but for some, yeah, but for some reason that was just the thing that she agreed to. And so I've been doing it ever since. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, we had, uh, Jason Chambers and Bill Duff from human weapon on the show a couple months ago and Jason Chambers said, it's uh, something like an identical story where he was getting like, bullied at school and thus got into martial arts and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong. But I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Don't mean, I don't I mean to take it. Uh, paraphrase. That's what I remember. But yeah, like for me, like the, I, I'm also a martial artist. I know the bad's also a martial artist. I, I forgot what he does. But like for me, I started when I was like 20. 24 in my early 20s i'm almost 30 now mm. oh god it's time blessed but anyways um i started just because i was in between rugby seasons and wanted to keep in some shape and ended up picking crown maga it's basically what happened and ended up never looking back so i'm happy well that's cool i'm glad that you found something that worked out for you yeah and then obviously i have a pretty strong wrestling background and thus picked up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and went that away. Which is awesome, man. Like, it's, I think it's nice that people, especially nowadays coming into the martial arts industry, are a little bit more open to trying different arts rather than pigeonholing themselves into one. Yeah, I think that's the main thing with, like, MMA. What, like the, with the rise of MMA, people are willing to combine kickboxing and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and karate and insert other martial arts here. And try to see what kind of comes out of that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Sense. Yeah, like there's a there's a little bit of a renaissance going on in the martial arts industry. And it started around 1993 when, you know, the UFC first started. I think a lot of people got kind of exposed to different martial arts and understood that there was more out there than just what they were doing. And it kind of put a highlight on what was and what was not combat, the combat effective. So I think that that opened up a lot of people's minds, even within their own art to try to expand their own art to make it more effective or to keep up with the times. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's interesting what, what's going on in our lifetimes, basically. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, um, if you look at uh, guys like Stephen Thompson, Michael Venom Page, Raymond Daniels, they yeah. all come from like the NASCA, WACO, ISKA circuits where it was all sport karate. Yeah. And, you know, back in, you know, 10 years ago, people would laugh at sport karate. And then nowadays, these guys are knocking guys out cold, you know. Um, and so I think that it, it shows the evolution of the martial arts. It shows that, you know, these arts that might not have been as effective back in the day, they right. stepped up their game to try to become more effective. And then there's arts that just aren't effective still. And then they're, they're kind of off to the wayside because they're not evolving and adapting. Right. So kind of going back to what you said earlier, you said Big Dojo Life was basically created to call out frauds and lack of a better word, idiots in the martial arts industry. Um, what defines as a fraud in the martial arts industry? Like, I know we too know what that means, but like for someone who is new to martial arts or thinking about starting a martial arts career. Well, I have a... For my dojo life, I set up five rules, and the rules are pretty simple. Um, what I consider a McDojo, and that might not be for everybody, but what I consider a McDojo, the five rules seem to apply to everyone. Um, and so I made the rules regardless of the martial art that they did or belt rankings or testings or anything like that. It was all based on what was legal and what wasn't. And so uh, number one is pedophilia. Um, I believe that martial arts has is rampant in pedophiles. Unfortunately, because it's unregulated, a lot of people go to the martial arts industry because they have easy access to children um, and they take advantage of that. And there's been a ton, a ton, a ton of examples of that. Um, for example, if anybody wants to look at one of the worst cases, you can look up a place called Pizza Dojo, which was in New York. Wait, 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 back up. Sorry. Did you say Pizza Dojo. Yeah, there was, a, there was a place in New York called Pizza Dojo, and Pizza Dojo was quite literally that. It was a pizzeria and dojo that was set up in an old church, and this man started to open up the school to underprivileged children. So when underprivileged children started to come, he started to convince the parents to allow him to adopt the kids. Well, he slowly but surely was adopting these children from underprivileged youths or underprivileged homes. And um, he was molesting all of those children, and he wind up getting busted for it. Holy shit! Yeah, and that's just a case. Like it's it's quite rampant. It's a lot more rampant than people want to admit. And so, because they ignore it, it kind of continues. I, I'm I'm literally lost for words right now. Like, holy shit! Well, that's one rule, <laughs> and. Uh, the next is, yeah, the, yeah, I think that's universal, right? No matter what right. you do. Um, then you have uh, lying about your belt rank or fight record. Uh, okay. So if you lie about those things, you'll probably lie about just about anything else. Right. Uh, then the next thing is unsafe training practices or cult-like behavior. Um, so unsafe training practices like, for instance, sparring on concrete without headgear. Like people oh. die from that all the time. Yeah. Um, or... Just standing there while your instructor hits you with a stick or punches yeah. you in the face for your chin conditioning, which doesn't actually do that. All it does is make things worse. Um, you know, those are unsafe training practices that do no good. Right. Uh, and then you have uh, rule number four, which is uh, no touch knockouts or mislabeling technique. So what I mean by everybody has seen the no touch knockout stuff where it's a guy yeah. waving his hand and the guy falls over. We all know that's bullshit, but 
mislabeled. Those, those, those guys make me laugh all the time. Yeah, man, I think it's hilarious, but they have like thousands and thousands of followers. It's ridiculous. But yeah. mislabeling technique is a lot more common. It's where someone claims that what they're teaching is self-defense, but it's not. Okay. Like uh, cardio kickboxing, for instance. Um, that's not going to make you the best kickboxer in the world. And it's going to help you lose weight, but it's cardio kickboxing. So the goal is to make you lose weight. Right. Um, will you learn a jab and a cross? Sure. Will you learn how to do a front kick or a round kick? I'm sure as long as you have a good instructor. But will that make you street effective? No. It'll, it'll help you with some things, but it's not self-defense. Right. Um, and then, um, and then finally is uh, shady business practices. Uh, people who are financially ripping off their students are lying to them in order to make a financial gain. Right. So those are the rules that I have for uh, what a McDojo is. And if you actually look through the page, there's nothing on the page other than some comedy posts that we make that don't actually follow those rules. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, that's actually a good set of rules to have now, now, now listening to that. So I, get, I know I know we, the two of us, understand what makes a good dojo, what makes a horrible dojo, what, like, you know, we have our own, like, codes and creeds or whatever you want to call it. If you're like, going back to your teacher roots, how, and you're seeing you soon, what would you tell the new student if you, if he or she, or whatever, insert gender here, I know politically we, that's kind of an issue now, um, whatever gender you are here, um, what would you tell this person, like, starting out? Um, well, first of all, I would, I would make sure that I knew what their goals were. Right. Um, the average martial artist drops out after a year. So um, 50% right. of people who join martial arts drop out at white belt. Um, right. But the overwhelming majority drop out within a year. Right. So if someone were to join a martial arts studio, I would just ask them some really basic questions that don't seem to have anything to do with martial arts, but they do. Um, right. One, I'd ask them how clean was the bathroom? Um, I believe that how you do some things is how you do everything. Okay. And so if I walk into a bathroom and it's covered in urine, you can tell that it wasn't cleaned in a month. Well, how clean do you think those mats will possibly be? Worse. You know, so you have a, a high chance of getting staff or ringworm or something else that's contagious if it's not kept clean. So I always ask people, how clean is the bathroom? Um, the next, um, I would ask, how clean is the studio? If they walk in and the studio's dirty and there's old equipment everywhere, um, will you get? What well, does that mean that you're going to get bad instruction? No, that doesn't mean you're going to get bad instruction. But it shows that there's a giant hole and something going on at the studio. And if the studio isn't kept clean, that means it's not being treated as a business. And if it's not being treated as a business, chances are good that eventually down the road it will close. And do you want to invest a year of your life with someone? and then continue to want to train with them, fall in love with the teachings, and then the building closes because they're not good at business. Um, you know, I would say you're better off trying to find a studio that meets your goals, that also is kept clean, not only for safety reasons, but it shows how good the business is being run. Um, and then on top of that, I would just try to find out on your first trial, because everybody does free trials or paid trials, um, one for your trial, look at how they treat everyone other than you. So they're going to treat you nice on your first day. That's just how it is. You're, yeah. you're there for the first day. They got to treat you well. But are they treating everyone else well? Because that's who you're going to be after you sign up. You're going to be with everyone else. 
So say when you do your trial, pay attention to how everyone else is treated. Also how you're treated for sure, but how is everyone else being treated? Because after you sign up, you will become one of them. Yeah. And so it's kind of important to note before you sign up anywhere. Cool. Um, I'm going to take a pause right here. And say, and since we're talking about, we just talked about ringworm. I want to say thank you to Sparso for sponsoring this video. Much appreciate to you guys. Uh, if you're on YouTube, links in the description box down below. They are an organic soap company that buys ringworm, for example, and is used for like, primarily more for martial arts and lifters. So I thought it was a good time for me to mention that. No, <laughs> now, since we're talking about it, gotta pay the bills. Yep, we gotta pay the bills some way. Um, but yeah, if you're on YouTube, links will be down below. If you're listening to wherever podcasts are sold, it will be, you can go to sparsoap.com, check them out. Helping them helps the show. So thank you guys. And couldn't, couldn't have done that out better. <laughs> but yeah, and like if you were in person, I would have given you a goodie bag with Sparsoap in it. So. Well, I appreciate that. The thought that counts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember being on one of your lives what a few couple months ago, to what you were, you were making a movie or something? Remember? Yeah, we're making a documentary. Um, we're making actually, we're still we have about a week left of filming. Um, okay. So we're making a documentary about fake frauds and phonies in the martial arts industry, and we're trying to do a deep dive to understand what is and what is not legitimate in martial arts, but also to kind of have an, a better idea of how a martial arts cult operates. Um, and so we've interviewed four or five con men now we had a con men man come in and teach us a, a self-defense seminar um which was kind of funny so we filmed the entire thing um we went to like a ninjutsu academy to learn more about that which is utter garbage um you know we went to a lot of different places and we filmed a whole bunch of stuff we talked to a psychologist who was a, a study of cults right he kind of helped us understand how a cult operates and works um it, it was it was pretty fun to film the whole thing like I went to two different seminars that were hosted by people who believe in the whole pressure point knockout or the uh, no touch knockout stuff. So we filmed both of those. And so um, hopefully we will be able to wrap here within the next week. We're just waiting on a few different things to see if they're going to fall through or going to happen. Right. Um, funny thing is, is that the way I found you, it was uh, through the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Uh, because I know he mentioned you guys on one of his podcasts, I forgot which one, saying about how he loves like McJojo life and all that stuff. So I'm like, who is this guy? So I ended up literally Googling you and it's like, oh shit, this is amazing. I'm following. Click. Well, so I appreciate that, man. The more the merrier. Yeah. We need more uh, drunken fests in this world that, that is life. Uh -huh. But yeah, um, people really believe this. It's uh, one of those things where people start watching the page, they start looking at the videos, and then they think that, oh man, there's no way these people actually believe this, but they they really do. And that's like the hard part of fighting it is because the more people who think that it's just a joke or a gag, the less people will actually be concerned about it and actually try to do something about it. Yeah. So like, I don't want to spoil your documentary or anything, but why do people? kind of join this cult-like organization when it's supposed to be like a family, like an organized family in a sense? Well, what we've noticed is through research and talking to cult experts is that anybody can be susceptible to falling into a cult at the right given moment. So right. like the majority of people who actually join cults, it's fascinating. The majority of people who actually join cults are well-educated. 
they're they're we're talking doctors and lawyers and judges we're not talking about just like some moron on the street we're talking sure. highly educated people join cults and that's because they have a little bit more opportunity um in their life to reach out to try to discover more things like uh if you're if you're broke and you're working some minimum wage job you probably are just trying to make more money and that's your only objective you right. just want to get out of poverty. Well, when you're not impoverished and you have more opportunity to kind of branch out and discover more things, people start looking into spirituality and they start right. trying to discover like, maybe I need a mentor or I want some friends. And so you start looking and then, you know, the right given moment with the right circumstances, you can fall into a cult just like anyone else. And another thing that was interesting is we talked to the James Randi Foundation and James Randi was the gentleman who used to debunk people who said they had psychic abilities. Well, he oh, passed yeah. away last year. Yeah, and we talked to the uh, we talked to the um, the guys who are now running it, and they let us know even more um, that the people that are the easiest to fool are the people who think they can't be fooled. Huh. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Now that I think about it, yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, like when is your document? When do you expect your documentary to be released, or uh, yeah, basically released? It just depends. Like we have to, we still have like at least a week of filming left, so we'll get this next week out of the way, and then we'll see where we stand there. Then we start uh, probably this Wednesday with the uh, the actual editing process of looking through all the footage and start trying to make it into a movie. Um, which is a lot of footage. One of our interviews is 13 hours long. Holy crap, that's a long-ass interview. Yeah, the dude wrote a book about being in a martial arts cult, so it was kind of cool. Um, okay. But yeah, we, we won't know. Um, it'll probably be, we probably won't even be done editing until at least sometime in April. Okay, that's a, a few, uh, a month away or so. About a month. Like if we, if we put our nose to the grindstone and we really like bury ourselves in the work, then right. we can probably like hang out a good first draft by April. Okay, that's interesting. So it seems like you, with after every uh, after everything with editing and all that stuff, it seems like you could get it done by like May, June, July, like beginning of summer kind of thing. We're hoping something like that. We'd like well, it'll definitely be done this year, but then we have right. to figure out distribution, which is also something we'll be working on as we edit. Um, right. Distribution for anyone who doesn't know is the process of getting your show picked up. And so as of right now, we don't know what will come of it because we have enough footage right now to make a docu-series. Right. Um, but we, you know, we're pitching it as a, a documentary, a two-hour documentary. And if people enjoy it, then we'll definitely try to push it to be a series. Okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to be one of the first in line to see that, just saying. Well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, we're actually still doing crowdfunding for it because it's a completely 100% crowdfunded project. Right. And if anybody wants to support or even just see behind the scenes footage or get early access to things, then they can go to McDojo Life, D-O-C, that's McDojo Life Doc uh, at, uh, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then they can keep up, you know, they can keep up with everything. It is a donation-based page. So it's only people who have donated get that access. But it, there's no minimum donation, so it doesn't really matter how much you donate if you want access. Okay. Um, for, if you're on YouTube, I'll put the link to that in the description box down below. Is it, sure. uh, is it um, Patreon-based or is it like something else? No, this is, uh, this is a, a completely separate. So this okay. was um, PayPal. 
PayPal. But we originally did a crowdfunding, like a real crowdfunding on Indiegogo. Okay. And that helped us raise $20,000, which is nowhere near, nowhere near <laughs> what we needed. Um, right. That was like 10% of our goal. Oh, um, yeah. Making a movie, like a legitimate movie, is very expensive. Um, and, you know, of course, like we, we had to keep most everything isolated to California because we couldn't afford to fly everyone where they were going. Right. Um, the entire crew was getting paid. <laughs> you know, they're getting paid for their work. Um, then of course, on top of that, whenever we had hotels or gas had to pay for all that, um, gas over here in California is inching on $4 a gallon. So it was, you know, it's quite expensive. You know, that's why we're still doing crowdfunding is because we were able to get most of our filming done on the tight budget, but we still need to be able to afford to edit. We still need to be able to afford to pay the crew and keep that going. So it's not cheap. Yeah. If it's okay with you, I would like to put all that stuff in the YouTube description box down below. Go for it. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, going back to, I, I also live in California. I'm in the Bay Area. I think I mentioned that to you earlier. But yeah, $4, give or take here. As well. yeah. So I'm just like, God damn it, I hate this so much. <sighs> but yeah, um, cool. It seems like you, got, you have your hands full with defrauding a lot of these idiots in the martial arts industry. Basically cleaning up the martial arts industry. I don't, I, I don't know if that's the right verb or not, but well, if yeah. I'm watching, <laughs> yeah. So, do you miss teaching, or is it something you are planning to return to in the future? I mean, I still teach from time to time. Um, I do seminars still. Uh, most of what I'm teaching now, I've been doing uh, business consulting for about ten years, um, and so I've been helping out martial arts schools grow through their um, helping them with their retention rates, their lead generation. Um, you know, helping them understand how a contract, how a contract works, you know, like little basic, little basic sales tactics in order to grow their studios. And right. the majority of martial arts studios have absolutely no clue how to run a business. Um, yeah. It's really sad. So that's kind of what I'm teaching more now. Okay. So you're more on the consultation side than actually teaching. This is how you do a palm strike. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely doing much more consulting work now than teaching in studios. But every once in a while, I get hired for a seminar, which is fun. Cool. I'll try to convince my instructors to hire you for a seminar. <laughs> but we'll, I, we'll see how that work, ends up working out. I might have a big red palm print on my face saying, hell no. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Yeah. But, yeah, it seems like you have your hands full of a lot of different stuff going on. Um. Was your plan to basically make a documentary or is it something like, is it something you wanted to do for a very long time or is it something like, hey, let's make a documentary kind of thing with my best friend? Well, I've never done anything with the page that wasn't asked of me of the audience. So like okay. I didn't make shirts, I didn't make apparel until like four or five years in because somebody was like, dude, you should make a shirt. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then some, a lot of people kept asking me, hey, man, like, how do these frauds have so many students and I don't? And I was like, well, I do consulting work. So I started doing more of that through the page. Um, and then, you know, people eventually were like, well, why doesn't anybody go into these studios and beat them up? And I'm like, well, one, that's illegal. You can't just go in in places and beat people up because you don't agree with them. Um, right. So that's a really dumb thought that floats around in the industry that I, I'm amazed people still believe. Right. Um, people are like, why don't you challenge them? It's like, cause they can say no, <laughs> like they can just be like, no. All right. Then what? 
Like you have wasted footage. So what we thought would be better is if we actually filmed the documentary that dug into speaking with them directly as people, not trying to fist fight them, and then challenging their ideals and their belief structure through like uh, trial and error testing, and then talking to actual medical experts, doctors, psychologists, pressure, acupuncture um, specialists, and then understand what is real and what is not. And then hopefully that can give enough to do way more than just beating someone up. Hopefully that can start shutting down those false sec- sections of the martial arts industry. Yeah, like I remember this guy from China, come, like an MMA fighter from China. He challenged a, I want to say tai Chi or Kung Fu or one of the traditional Chinese martial arts and he ended up getting like ostracized or something. Still is. Sorry? He still is. He's, uh, oh, yeah. His name is Xu Shaodong. Yeah, that's, that's his name. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I understand, like, Tai Chi being a martial arts. Again, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that anyone else's, but I consider Tai Chi more of a yoga-like martial arts than anything else. But that's just my own spiel. Yeah, man, I mean, there are certain things that have a, a percentage that are higher percentages of working than others. Um, you know, and so when you start dealing with like low percentages, like uh, Aikido, for instance, Aikido is a martial art, right? But it uh, it deals a lot, a lot more of what would be effective, I guess you could say, is more wrist lock. But they're not really as effective standing. But if you take Aikido, for instance, and you put somebody in a side control position, like you would in jujitsu, um, and you isolate that arm, well, then that wrist lock that you learn becomes much more effective because you've isolated the arm. So it seems like most martial arts kind of fit together in like this puzzle piece. You yeah. know, each martial art has a little bit of it right, but nobody has all of it right. And people want to say that it has all of it right, but it's just not true. Like even jujitsu, I love jujitsu. I'm a purple belt in jujitsu. I've been doing it for a while now. I love it. But yeah, I'm a blue belt. You know, but the idea that it is the end all be all martial art is just not true. Um, you know, there is no weapons training in, in jujitsu tradi- or in Brazilian jujitsu anyway. You know, yeah. that's not something that exists. It's very rare that you get an instructor. I'm not saying never, but it's rare you get an instructor toss one of the guys a knife. <laughs> you know, it's rare that you you will have an instructor who works gun scenarios while grappling. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's not an end-all be-all art. But that's the that's kind of the point is it's like you're all playing. We're all basically playing D&D, you know, and it's like you have charisma and wisdom and strength and power and all that shit, right? Right. And you can't make them all maxed out. <laughs> you know, you can't max them all out. You can only max out certain things, right? And so that's like just like a video game character, right? If you, you can't have it all unless you cheat code, right? Well, in real life, we don't get the cheat code. So right. if you want to be good at hand-to-hand combat, you know, there are certain arts that'll make you better at that, depending on your body type, your ailments, if you have any diseases, if you have any debilitating injuries, which is something that a lot of people forget about. Like there are so many dudes that I've met who have cerebral palsy who do jujitsu. Like they have cerebral palsy. They're never going to be the most elite people on the planet. They're not doing it for that reason. They're doing it because they just want to be better at walking. Right. That makes sense. So by the way, I love it. I love your D&D reference. Just saying. But yeah. So talking about Aikido, I know, like you said, like I know Aikido and other martial arts may not be suited for certain types of situations. Like if some a guy comes up and puts sticks a gun in your head, Krama God and all the martial arts like Krama God will 
be more beneficial in that situation. Mm. So what, excuse me, what kind of martial arts do you suggest people start off with? Is it like the traditional karate or is it the Krav Maga, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Like I'm talking about like, a no, I don't want to say normal, but lack of a better word, normal 150 pound, five foot six guy. Well, that depends on your goal. So like everybody has different goals. And I think that whatever martial art you choose, you should choose based off what your goal is going to be. Okay. Um, you know, and also you have to look at some of your personal attributes and see what's going on there. Like, um, for instance, if you're a guy who's got no arms, um, I would recommend boxing is probably not for you. <laughs> you know, if you have something debilitating with your legs, then Taekwondo might not be for you. Um, and so, and so on and so on, depending on what, what your body type is and what's going on with you. So I would say the most important thing is make sure that you understand what your goals are. And make sure that you try as many trial classes as you can in a lot of different arts that are in your area that are available usually for free. And then enjoy those arts and find which one meets your goals as an individual and then train there. Okay, that makes more sense. <sighs> cool. So I actually had a list of questions I wanted to ask you and we actually ran through all of them already. So I really appreciate this conversation. No, not a problem, man. So, um, yeah, I guess the final question or one of the last few questions is moving forward. I'm talking like post pandemic in like a couple of years or whatever. Where do you think the martial arts industry will be? It depends. So as of right now, obviously there's ebb and flow with everything. Um, typically the martial arts kind of has like a pace to it. It goes realism, fad, realism, fad, realism, fad. And so right now we're in the era of realism. And so we're looking at, you know, um, we're looking at UFC as like the pinnacle or MMA, not just UFC because there's a lot of other promotions. Um, but we're looking at MMA as that, that pinnacle of realism right now. Well, there's, we're due for a fad. So I don't know what that'll be, but we're due for some kind of martial arts fad. Because if you remember back in the day, it was like Billy Blanks with Ty Bo, right? And then with Bruce Lee, which Bruce Lee, the goal was a little bit more realism. He, re he wrote like the Tao Jeet Kune Do. He talked about changing styles. But then with Bruce came the Kung Fu theater fad, right? Where everybody was in their Kung Fu theater. Kung Fu movies were everywhere, right? right. Then, uh, you know, 1993 hits and you start getting like more realism again. Well, we're due for a fad. And so I think that that's probably what's going to be the next thing up the pipe. Um, I don't know what that'll be. And it could be anything as of right now, the fad that I'm seeing that might be taking off in a dangerous way is like TikTok self-defense videos. And uh, it's almost like everybody on TikTok all of a sudden becomes some kind of expert in self-defense. And there's a lot of real bad advice going around. There is some good advice, but there's a lot of bad advice too. And that's a little scary. Um, and I hope that we'll get away from the, the falsehoods of what looks good and what actually is effective okay that makes that makes sense um yeah i guess the i was going to ask you what kind of what fad were uh you were talking about and you actually answered that yourself so um i guess the last question will be where can people find you in case they want to be on your channel or you like insert social media platforms where where can people find you oh it's pretty simple man you can find me mcdojo life on pretty much any platform except for facebook and then on Reddit, we are the McDojo Life. 
Um, I think I think we might still have a Facebook page up right now that I have one of my admins running, which is the McDojo Life on Facebook. But because I don't have access to it. You don't get the same daily posts that I usually do. Um, but yeah, you can also check out. We have a show called McDojo Show. So if anybody wants to like check that out, it's a uh, my team's podcast. Uh, they do that podcast without me, but it's a uh, it's a great MMA podcast. And so I hired those guys on to become part of the team, and they're awesome. Perfect. Um, if you're on YouTube, I'm going to put them all in the description box down below so you can ease of access. It'll be a little bit better. Um, but yeah, like I said before, thank you, Sparso, for sponsoring this video. Much appreciate to you guys. And McDojo Life, thank you for being here. I really appreciate, appreciate it. You, man. Thank you for having me on. Yep. As always, have a good one. See you in the next episode. Peace.